It's the Adam Ritz Show, a social awareness talk show touching on fellowship, leadership, philanthropy, and more. Adam hosts the show on location from coast to coast, interviewing college students, student athletes, campus administrators, professional athletes, and social experts about social issues ranging from bullying to Twitter and everything in between. And now it's your social awareness radio host, Adam Ritz. We've got a hard stop now with Ryan Vaughn joining us. Hi, Ryan. How are you? Oh, great. I, uh, I'm glad you're on the show to talk about uh, some business and marketing ideas you have with your company, some uh, philanthropy and uh, foundation work you guys do. You are the CEO of Indiana Sports Corp., which um, sounds big. It sounds uh, Indiana Sports Corp. Is a, is a name that people have heard. They know what it is, but they might not know exactly what you do as an organization. Sure. So I guess quickly for our listeners, uh, what is Indiana Sports Corp. and what does it do? Yeah, Indiana Sports Corp. is a, an independent nonprofit organization whose mission it is is to advance and inspire our community through sports. And we do that by primarily attracting premier sporting events to the city of Indianapolis and then turning around and hosting those events when they come to town. Uh, it's actually a pretty uh, novel concept when we were founded. We were founded in 1979. We were the first sports commission in the country. Uh, brand new model, brand new idea, brand new philosophy around sports. There are now more than 500 uh, in a lot of cities competing for the same same properties that we are. So it's a, it's a cool organization to be a part of. Uh, we're still one of the largest. And uh, um, if I can avoid some humility, still one of the best in the country, I think. So, <laughs> so in 1979, when it started, um, what, I, I guess, what, what happened in 1978 to make somebody sitting around a, a coffee table say, you know what we should do? We should start an Indiana Sports Corp. What was the landscape like then that created the need for, for your organization? Yeah, Indianapolis, like most major cities in America in the you know, late 70s, early 80s, was experiencing massive suburban flight, people moving out of the core of their downtown into the suburban areas. And the city needed a strategy to revitalize the land use and the sort of economic vibrancy of its core. core. Um, and so they debated a lot of different strategies, and it just so happened that in 1979, Congress passed what we now know as the Amateur Sports Act, and that actually created what are called national governing bodies of sport. So what you know as USA Basketball, USA Football, USA Tennis, none of that existed prior to an act of Congress. And so a team of community leaders came together and said, well, all of these newly formed organizations have to exist somewhere. Uh, we should try and convince them to exist in Indianapolis, and in so doing, convince them to host their premier championship events in our city and really contribute to not only attracting employees and businesses, but also major events that highlight the city on a national and global stage. Well, then let's talk uh, marketing and, and competition. Uh, while you're competing on that national stage to have events come perform uh, and produce their events here in your backyard, um, from a marketing perspective, I guess how much strategy goes into uh, trying to get an event here? Let, I don't know. Let's just pull top of the head uh, the Final Four. Sure. Um, you you won as many of those men's basketball NCAA championships, and I just said it that way because I don't even know if I'm allowed to say Final Four. <laughs> <laughs> so you want as many of those um, to come to Indianapolis as possible. So you put together you and your team. You have to. You're competing against other cities and their sports corporations to get that event to come here. Right. How does all that work? 
Yeah, there's a lot, you know, it really depends on your customer. You know, what's most important to them? Is it media market? Is it accessibility to fans? Is it the quality of the venues? Is it the nature of your hotel package? How many do you have and of what, of what quality are they? Um, and then there's, of course, just operationally, are you good enough to do it? And so for us, you know, we always lead with operations. We have a rich history of great success around these events. Um, you know, candidly, we, you know, we, we've pioneered things that have made events better. Whenever we host something like the Super Bowl, we try and add something to that sport that they then take to other cities, and that's served us as a reputational advantage. So we, we build, build these bids, we call them, uh, where we compete against other cities to host these events, and those are the things we highlight. You know, we have the uh, number one ranked airport in North America for, f you know, the last five years. Uh, Lucas Oil Stadium has been a top stadium three of the last five years. Baker's Life Fieldhouse is a fantastic place to go. Our downtown is walkable. I mean, you can fly in, you can take a cab to your hotel and never need a car again uh, and get to every venue. We've got great restaurant offerings. Um, and candidly, in, in a big way, uh, in a way that I think is genuine and resonates with people who have been here before, we sell Hoosier Hospitality. And we have great people here that are hospitable, that want to help you make sure you have a great time um, and that are there to serve and that's part of our ethos as a city and our history has, has validated that over time. What's your best, uh, our guest is Ryan Vaughn, the CEO of Indiana Sports Corp and I wanted to ask you um, when you want to get those ideas to somebody and brag about what makes this city special, what's your best channel to get those marketing ideas to somebody? Do you have a you know, a go-to channel where you, you need to get somebody a package of these ideas? Is there a channel you use, some sort of media? Yeah, I think um, it goes both ways. You know, sometimes we're really at the mercy in, uh, of, of the event rights holder. So they'll issue a, a request for proposals globally, and then we respond to it. But more generally speaking, we take opportunities during the event and after the event, both in print media, radio media, and social media to highlight the success of that event afterwards. And, and those report outs, you know, best Super Bowl ever, more Final Fours than any other city in America, th those kind of things get picked up on a national media uh, and and they then come back to us and say, you know, other events will come back to us and say, man, I had you know no idea Indy was such a great sports town. The reputation you guys got from the Super Bowl was incredible or I didn't realize you've hosted more Final Fours than any other city in America. We'd love to bring our event there. That kind of report out on the back end is really helpful and important to us. That's important to hear. I, I like that you said that. So the follow-up is almost more important than the approach. Yeah, you know, there's certainly operationally you want to be great because the, the last thing you want is, you know, to be the quote-unquote Dallas of the Super Bowl, right? Where it was like, <laughs> it, was, it was terrible, right? It was I mean, terrible. It, was, it was a nice storm and there were wrecks everywhere and volunteers didn't show up and so... Fraud uh, tickets. Or right, yeah. There was a whole I mean, section of the bleachers that they sold tickets for that didn't exist. Right. Yeah, there were people who showed up and didn't get to watch the game. This right? show brought to you by the Dallas Convention right. Visitor Bureau. <laughs> right. So, you know, first and foremost, is just be operationally excellent and let that reputation speak for itself. But it's also important, once it's, once it's gone really well, to take a moment to publicize that success and, you know, not be uh, sort of your you know, typical... Midwestern, humble, we're going to move on to our next project, but just really seize the moment and say, hey, we did a good job. You know, we should take advantage of that. We should publicize it. We should let the world know that we're a place that you can do these kind of things. And that yields fruit, for sure. Ryan Vaughn is our guest, uh, CEO of Indiana Sports Corp. You brought up, and I um, am going to turn you in to the copyright people. You said the word Super Bowl. I don't know 
like Final Four. We're not allowed to say that. But um, Super Bowl-wise, uh, that happened before your tenure with Indiana Sports Corps. But I'm sure you know about everything in the hallways that happened there. Um, real quick, can you talk about some success stories on what Indiana Sports Corp did to get the Super Bowl to come here in the first place? Mm -hmm. And then once it was here, what did Indiana Sports Corp do to promote or work the event while it was happening that week? Yeah, at the time, I was actually serving as uh, chief of staff to our prior mayor. So I was, I was still involved, but just not through the Indiana Sports Corp. Um, and it was a really interesting process. Uh, you know, certainly the investment in Lucas Oil Stadium was a big factor in, in getting the NFL's attention that we're serious about their product. Um, Are you saying that if, it, if we still had the RCA Dome, we would not have had the Super Bowl? I am saying that. <laughs> I am you, saying that. You heard it here. <laughs> <laughs> Flash news, right? Uh, but, you know, the real, the real special part about the Super Bowl, yes, we were able to attract it, but, but when they came here, they were blown away by the impact we have. A lot of cities will say, we'll have a legacy project, and then they have some form of legacy project. We raised $50 million and built a community center on the east side and revitalized an entire neighborhood. Um, we started the first ever breast tissue bank from live tissue, where we have someone uh, pre-cancer and post-cancer to compare and field research. Those things are important um, for the community standpoint, and, and they leave a legacy that the NFL can be proud of that their sport is doing. But we also improved the event. Um, the whole idea of an NFL village or Super Bowl village did not exist prior to Indianapolis. We actually had to convince the NFL that we could do it, and they didn't necessarily uh, believe that we would be able to do it, and we built Georgia Street. We created a Super Bowl village, and from every Super Bowl after ours going forward, there is a requirement to create a Super Bowl village. So it's just that kind of innovative thinking and then follow through on the back end that has uh, made Indy historically special uh, on that front. That is cool. I, I mean, you, I would have thought Super Bowl Village, that, that kind of fan fest would have been in place since the 80s. I mean, we were the first to do that, huh? Yeah, we were the first to do that. We were the first to have a music festival around the Final Four. We were the first to do a youth, what they call it, the dribble, which is, a, you know, 2,000 kids dribbling basketball through your downtown. We really take a lot of pride um, when we have these moments, these key moments in our civic history, to take an event and innovate it and take it to the next level. And again, that reputation for doing so uh, makes us very competitive when we go to seek opportunities in the future. Well, I want to talk real quick about um, the, I guess, dot .org nature of your organization. It is a dot .org. Your website is, is indianasportscorp.org. Yeah. Right. Um, so you do a lot of uh, events yourself. I, I want to talk about one coming up uh, on June 24th, um, uh, sort of a fun run that will raise money for most, if not all, of the charities you work with individually. Um, so real quick, before we get into the meat of what that run is and what it does, uh, I want to talk from a marketing social media perspective. You were telling me about what you guys did with this fun run um, in the first year of its existence and how enormously successful it was because of social media. Right. So start from there. The floor is yours. Yeah. So we are, in, you know, we are an independent nonprofit. Our mission is to advance and inspire our community through sports. And so we had a little retreat session and we said, how do we create an event that does exactly that, that um, highlights what a great place India is to live, work, and play? Um, and, and what we know to be true about Indy that a lot of people in Indy take for granted or don't appreciate that differentiates us from other cities. And so we came across this idea that we were going to sort of merge 
what is your traditional running events where you run, you know, five miles, 10K, what have you. We were going to merge that with some of these more hardcore adventure races, and we were going to create our own indie adventure race for the purpose of highlighting on social media all the iconic places in downtown Indianapolis and how connected they are. And so that race is called the Indie Ultimate. That's what you're talking about. It, it's in its second year. Um, uh, but the first year, we had great success. We had um, 2,200 people that actually ran the event. Uh, of those 2,200 people, we were able to get 1.1 million uh, social media impressions. We trended in the city of Indianapolis for seven hours. We were the 34th most popular story on Twitter. Uh, and that was the weekend of the NFL draft. And so just enormous success in people from our community and surrounding communities taking pride in our city, capturing themselves in these venues, whether it's Lucas Oil Stadium, Carroll Track and Field, Banker's Life, War Memorial, the Canal, uh, the State Art, the State Museum, you know, all of these places that are literally within six and a half miles of each other that you can go and walk and or run and experience um, in a way that you probably don't on your drive to or from work uh, or walking to and from lunch. And uh, it's been a really special event for us. We're excited about the second year as well. Okay, so it's the Indy Ultimate, and how long is the race? Uh, is it six, it's like 6.8 miles. 6.8 yeah. miles. Um, and you get to run through, the, the top three for me are, you get to run through Lucas Oil Stadium and Victory Field and Banker's Life Fieldhouse. Yeah, and, and we wanted to do it in a special way. I mean, some of these cities have these races where you actually get to go in and you run the stands and whatever. But oh, the bleachers, yeah. yeah you yeah. run the stadium. Yeah, I, I don't want to do that. I have no patience <laughs> for that. Right, yeah, exactly. That, that to me is like torture on top of torture. Yeah. So when, when you go into Carroll track and, track and Field Stadium where the Indy 11 play, you actually go on the field and kick a soccer goal. When you, oh. when you go to Victory Field, you'll run the bases at Victory Field. When you go into Lucas Oil, you'll kick a field goal or you'll catch a punt. When you go into Banker's Life, you'll shoot a free throw and go through a little skills test. You're we kidding me. We want you to do the activity that the athletes that are there do, and we want you to have that experience. So Lucas Oil Stadium is, is going to be really fun this year. We've got the – if you've ever been to a Colts game, they blow up that giant blue horse that the players run out of. We've got that yeah. blown up. You'll run out of it. The announcer will announce your name and put you on the Jumbotron. You'll, just like a legit player, it's going to be awesome. So – how do they do that for over 2,000 people? Yeah, we've got our chips, and we just rotate these announcers, and they'll, they'll literally announce you as you're running through. And we go off in waves. We don't launch all at once. We send people off in waves of 75 every five minutes. Um, and it's, <laughs> it, it just blows people's mind. Yeah. And all those, fun. all those chip shot field goals that, that are missed during a game that you think I could have made that, well, you put yourself to the test, right? This is your chance. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's hard to do. I've tried it. Yeah. I'm, I'm not. So do you get to run it, do you, or do you have to wear a tie uh, and shake hands? No, I, I will, uh, I'll <laughs> run around from venue to venue. I probably won't run it, but I will, I will take part of the activities just as a little quality check. But, uh, yeah. So for our listeners that want to get involved and, and do that race, um, you can sign up on and yeah. register. It's at IndieUltimate.org. Uh, or dot com, and, or you can just follow us on Twitter at the Indie Ultimate, and it, it'll link right to registration. And we'll, like I said, we're going off in waves, so there's no wait at any of these obstacles, um, and it it's great. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun. And some of the uh, I guess organizations that will benefit that you work with. Yeah, one of the key things we wanted to do is really you know sports always get so much attention, right? Because they're big media market opportunities. And some of the other nonprofits who we consider our peers and as important to the culture, the fabric of, of this city, uh, we wanted to partner with them and, and just elevate everybody. So we've partnered with the Indiana Humanities. So the Indiana Humanities is uh, part of our obstacles here is they've made a human maze 
and as you're going through the maze, they'll ask you, ask you questions about Indiana history. And if you get it right, you get a shortcut. You get it wrong, they'll send you the long way. <laughs> <laughs> so that's fun. We've partnered with the uh, Indiana War Memorials Foundation. Uh, so we have more monuments and memorials to people who have served our military than any city in the country outside of Washington, D.C. And so they were really excited to activate around that and highlight those. The Indiana National Guard will be out there sort of putting you through a little uh, boot camp, a little drills. Uh, we've partnered with the Arts Council, and the Arts Council will activate the entire canal downtown with either live art performances, music. Uh, we have the Indianapolis uh, Ballet. Uh, we have interactive percussion um, live art projects. And then we actually end the race by running through the Indiana State Museum. You actually run through the museum is the last part of the race. So, And when you're running through the museum, I mean, do you have to finger paint? Or, I mean, if you're kicking a field goal inside the, fo the football stadium, what do you get to do inside the art yeah, the, the museum? They take you what they call a race through time, which is their theme. And they start with Indiana history sort of at its beginning. You'll, the first thing you'll encounter is a mastodon. And then you get to sort of see all the, the uh, unique moments in Indiana history that you might not appreciate or, you know, Indiana. Well, Abe Lincoln, Raggedy Ann. Uh, astronauts, you name it, uh, all part of Indiana history. It's pretty well, cool. It's definitely one of the coolest races I've ever heard of. Yeah. And for our national listeners, if your if your city or town or state doesn't do something like this, I think the wheels are turning right now for people there that are thinking we need to do this yeah. too. And very surprising to us, the first year, 22% of our participants were from outside of Indiana, which blew my mind. Just promoting it on social media, sharing people were sharing it on Facebook, they were sharing it on Twitter and Instagram and their friends were like, hey, I was thinking about coming in town. Let's do this together. It, you know, a, to have a 50 year audience in a first year event be from outside Indiana was really extraordinary. That's an amazing testament to how global we really are as a society Absolutely. and how Absolutely. much social media and the Internet has to do with that. Um, before I let you go, we got a hard stop coming up. Our guest is Ryan Vaughn, the CEO of Indiana Sports Corp. Let's talk that social media angle of the Indy Ultimate. Um, that was part of the idea was not just to have an event or a race, but to to have social media be a big part of it. I mean, you became a trending leader that day right. on Twitter. So you were telling me off mic you had selfie stations uh, at all these iconic events and venues around the city that you were uh, encouraging people to take a picture and either post it right then or maybe post it later when they had their feet up on the couch when they were at, at home right. after the race. Um, for our you know tech geek listeners that just love social media they get it but for some people that are so focused on their business so focused on their product um, and even focused on their brand they might not their Facebook page or their Twitter or their Instagram is just floating in the abyss and they're not even using it you need to realize how important those hashtags and that social media is to what you're accomplishing so talk about that social media angle of that specific race it's incredible you know I, I sort of fall you know I'm 39 years old I sort of fall in that tipping generation of people who are engaged in social media, but maybe not nearly as, you know, I've got a lot of employees in their early 20s. If who, you're hinting at the fact that, you, that you're old in this world, then no. you're telling me I'm a dinosaur because <laughs> you're a lot younger than I am. Well, I, what I'm saying is technologically, I may not be as advanced. So, uh, <laughs> but this was, you know, a really eye-opening for us. We wanted to, um, you know, nothing, nothing makes us more sort of frustrated as an organization when people come into town. It's, a, it's, it's sort of a backhanded compliment when they tell you, like, Indy's the best kept secret in, in, in the United States. And I'm like, I don't want to be the best kept secret. Like, I want to be the, the, the most well-known place to go or, or to live or to work. Um, and social media for us is, is by far and away um, the most accessible way for, you know, even in, a, in, a, in the most effective way for us to communicate from a nonprofit standpoint. You know, I don't have 
multi-million dollar marketing budgets for magazine ads or you know print media publications or what have you but to be able to engage and empower people that are believe the same thing we do that we do live in a special place right that it is worth highlighting um, that it is uh, iconic and unique and meaningful uh, their voice uh, lends far more credibility to that issue than mine does because my job is to say that right that's not their job that's their free time it's their it's their uh, it's how they choose to spend their day and when they say it it means you know probably more um, and when they say it in mass it means a lot more it becomes a social socially validating um, uh, sort of a fact that yeah it is a great city to live in and be part of well, before I let you go, I want to talk uh, real quick about your favorite charity uh, or foundation or maybe even a specific community service event, either as CEO of Indiana Sports Corp or back when you were in high school as a, as a student athlete. Sure. One of your favorite service projects you've worked on. Yeah. You know, I, you know I've had a lot of opportunities. Uh, I've, been, I've been very blessed, uh, whether through public service or, or this particular role. Um, and and I'm, I'm not going to pick one. I'm going to pick two real quick because I know you've got a hard stop. <laughs> Um, but the first is serving on the Parks Foundation. I think parks are such an important part of the uh, placemaking in our city, the quality of life, and to work with them and do things like we've done in Tarkington Park over there at 39th in Illinois, uh, really special, you know, $5 million infusion in a park that really sits on two different neighborhoods, one very affluent, uh, you know, one more economically challenged, and it becomes a real so melding pot of, of different cultures and a way for people to meet each other on equal terms. That's that's been a really special project to be a part of. The second, and selfishly, this is what you know something we do called uh, Geared for Health. So we, as uh, uh, the Indiana Sports Corp, will either buy or collect uh, new equipment, sports equipment, and then distribute it statewide. In the last three years, every year we've collected over 40,000 pieces of new equipment and distributed it to 180 different youth-serving organizations statewide. And the fulfillment you get when you get a you know a, a football team who otherwise wouldn't be able to play because helmets are three hundred dollars a piece and we just equipped all of them is really really special uh, because not only do they get to play football but they get to learn all those things that are intrinsic in sport teamwork you know hard work um, it just that that's fun it's it's rewarding yeah you hear so many stories of school systems that are cutting their athletic programs just simply because of the cost of the equipment so that's fantastic to hear yeah we love it it's a, it's a big part of our mission and uh, it's one of my favorite days of the year that distribution day well it's indiana sports Corps corp with a p with a p indiana sports corp.org the race we were talking about indieultimate.org uh any other you got twitter facebook it's all on the website you can find it there yep we are you know the indie ultimate is the the race and uh just indiana sports corp at indiana sports corp for twitter yep and instagram ryan it's been a pleasure we've got a hard stop we'll see you next time uh, thank you for the opportunity send your questions comments or concerns to the adam ritz show by emailing adam at adamritz.com the Adam Ritz Show rolls on in Washington. We're at uh, the University of Washington in Seattle, and we're blessed to be with Coach Chris Peterson, the head coach of the UW Dogs. Hi, Coach. How are you? Real good, Adam. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Uh, your work and your success from Boise State now to the Pac-12 in Washington uh, is not just on the field, X's and O's in football, from blue turf to green turf now. It's also behind closed doors. You work a lot on character and integrity with your young men. Tell us about some of that. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I really think that if there's one theme that we would pride ourselves as coaches that would run through this program, as we'd say, it's built for life. And uh, 
you know, we're passionate about football. I don't think anybody loves football more than us, our coaches. But we're really passionate about helping all these guys that we recruit here make great decisions, um, set themselves up uh, for their future, to use football as a platform. And they have tough, uh, you know, it, it, we say this program and this process that we're going to put them through is going to be one of the hardest things that they've ever done. I think people from the outside don't really know what it takes to be successful here as a football player, as a student, as a person. And so that's what we do here. Social media is a big part of what we sort of talk about on this radio show. Um, and it has to be, I'm guessing, a huge part of what you try to educate your players with. Let's talk twofold. Uh, Pre-Washington Huskies player, they're in high school. You're recruiting them. How much, I guess, effort goes into your recruiting process to, I don't want to say weed out the bad apples from social media, but there's some 17-year-old there's some great football players in high school that are just not representing themselves that well on social media. How much effort do you put into that recruiting? I, I'm not sure. Uh if there's programs out there that put more effort into it than us. And I, and there probably, there probably are programs that put that much, but that that's one of our missions around here when we're recruiting. We call them OKGs, our kind of guys. Okay. And uh, what an our kind of guy is, an OKG, is, is a big-time football player that's a really good dude. I mean, it's that simple. And we have a whole criteria how we break it down. We're not looking for perfect people. We know – they're not out there. None of us are. But there is a standard. We think this is a special place. And they need to fit the culture. They need to, we need to think that they can do the things we're going to ask them to do. And then when we get that right guy, we really try to educate them. Um, you know, guys that understand right from wrong and, um, and how to be a great teammate and, you know, how to push themselves and be disciplined and make good decisions. And all that's really hard, easy for me to say. But then our process here is really uh, coming at them from all different angles to, to help them grow. I wanted to ask you then when they become players here, uh, do you have any rules? I, I know you have rules. Do you have any, any social media, I guess, limits in place during the season? They're not allowed to tweet or after a game, especially maybe a tough loss, they're not allowed to tweet. Um, that's tough. Uh, and people used, coaches used to have those in place three, four, five years ago. But now each generation that grows up with, with social media, it's just a – I hate to say it's a part of life. It's, it's how they communicate. It's how that generation communicates. So, in essence, if you put a limit on it, you're almost saying don't communicate. Stop talking. It's like – it would be like my coach telling me when I was 18 in 1988, whatever you do, don't speak English. Right. So it's a way they communicate. How do you put limits on it and make it make sense if you do it all? And you're right. Five years ago, we didn't we didn't use social media. It was like we're not doing that. So there was a rule five years ago. Yes. And so now you're right. It's like, am I from Mars? I mean, that's <laughs> that's where these guys live. So that's that's not that's not real life. I mean, that's our whole thing is real life. What's going on out there? And so certainly social media. So we do have conversations about it, uh, like the one we had today with you. Um, less is more. You know. One of the most powerful words in the English language, uh, one of our speakers last year told us, is, is send. You, you better think three times. Do you really want to do that? And it needs to be positive. And, and, and our guy sending a tweet out is completely different than the average student on campus. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And so just all these these different things, we don't necessarily have hard, fast rules on it, but it's a lot of times just common sense. Let's think about this. Be a good dude. OKG, our kind of guy. Uh, do you tweet? Do you have Twitter? Are you into it? I do. Um, I, I do. I can't stand social media. <laughs> if it wasn't for the job I have and recruiting guys, I wouldn't do it. You know, I just didn't grow yeah. up there. And But it is the world we live in. And in some ways, it's been really good for me to have to grow and get out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do do it because of my job. Coach Chris Peterson, UW, uh, we're in Seattle, the University of Washington. You know, it's interesting. We've only been here a short time. But what I think about is, is those guys coming back even after this short time, but even guys uh, that are in the NFL and coming back to all these life lessons that we're talking about and saying, Coach, this came up that we talked about. Like, I think some of these guys feel like they're – it wasn't just all about football here. It was about, you know – being part of something bigger than yourself, helping other people. The more that we invest in others, the more we get back, all those type of things. We've done this for a long time over at Boise, and the guys come back. And that's one of the reasons that we stay with our Built for Life program is because we get such good feedback from these guys that it's like they appreciate it. They might not appreciate it sitting in these seats right now. And so that's why we keep doing that is I I get the feedback from guys that it's like – um, this is important, being a good dad. Well, most of these, you know, 98%, 99% of these guys aren't dads. But if we keep promoting that message, and nothing is going to be more important to, the, to these guys in their lives, in the world, than being a great dad. You want to change the world? Be a great dad. And so a lot of that doesn't make sense, and we make them write it down. And then they'll, you know, after three or four or five years, and then five years they are dads, and then they start to connect the dots. That's, to me, what this program's all about. Coach Peterson, can't thank you enough. I appreciate you coming here, Adam, and and, uh, giving a great message to the dogs. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live, both in studio and across the country. For information on this broadcast, including how to hear this show on a station in your city, visit adamritzshow.com.